This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This is the Vic Police Glow Show, exclusive to Joy Podcast, presented by Vic Police LGBTI liaison officers and a range of Joy presenters. Now, here's the Glow Show. Hello and welcome to the Glow Show Podcast. My name is Dee Mason. I'm your host this afternoon. I'm joined in the studio, of course, by Gabby Glow. Welcome, Gabby. Hello. As always. <laughs> yeah. Excited as I'm always. always here. And then we've got our other two regulars in the studio. We have Jen Dixon. Hello, Jen. Hey, Dee. How are you? Good, thank you. And Dinesh <laughs> Natua. I like to say Natua even though I know it's net. I'm sorry, Dinesh. How do you do? I do well. <laughs> you are the Multicultural Liaison Officer for Victoria Police. One Correct. Old. Yep. Ben, uh, ben Dixon. Ben. <laughs> ben Jan either. Sure. It's, it's all totally fluid fine. these days. Absolutely. What is your role at Victoria Police? I'm the LGBTI portfolio manager. Which differs from Gabby Glow because you are Victoria's only full-time Glow. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sworn and Jen's unsworn. That's right. So she, Jen can't wear a uniform. Well, she can, but not legally. Well, I can in my spare time. That's right. And, and does. she does. I'm sure. I'm sure. We're joined in the studio by a very special guest from Victoria Police, James Slaco, who is a forensic officer with Victoria Police, a member of the Victorian Pride Network, and an out and proud Victoria Police officer, and a glow. That's a lot to have on your plate there, James. And yeah. welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. It is a bit. You seem too young to have done all of those things. Uh, I'm older than I look. So, <laughs> I was going to say so am I, but I think I'm, yeah. Um, so just talk to us about, so we're going to, you do something which I think everybody in Victoria Police would want to have a crack at, I'm sure. You're a forensic officer. Correct. Yes. So can I just step back and ask the question that we're all dying to know? In TV land, who mm. do you most identify with as a TV character? Oh, definitely Abby from NCIS, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bones. Um, I don't watch a lot of those shows. I don't either. Talk about your work as it is now. What's Mm -hmm. a day in the life of James Slaco? It's mostly laboratory-based, so probably 50% in the lab and 50% in the office. So um, I could be doing anything from sample preparation for instrumental analysis could be doing admin for casework or attending scenes with Victoria Police employees, so clandestine laboratory, so illegal laboratory. So there's mm-hmm. a field component as well. Does the word blood splatter get into your work vernacular at all? Um, I just asked because I've just finished watching The Staircase. Uh, That's have great. You, yeah. No, I haven't seen that. Oh, what? Yeah, Watch it. I'm always you, behind. It'd be like stuff. a busman's holiday for you. You'd probably watch it going, that never that would never happen. No, it's a true it's a true crime um, that basically they pull apart and whole um, there's been an incident. It's a long story, James. Yep. But but yep. James would James would probably investigate that crime better than they did. Oh yes, very sure. much. I would better. hope so. Would so hope do so. they do they do blood spatter in your unit? Uh, we do not in my unit itself, um, but at our facility we do have blood splatter analysis as well. Interesting. Yes. So there are there are people that go out there and it's a crazy science. So uh, James Slaco, you're a scientist. Your background is in science. How did you get involved in Victoria Police? Okay. So I guess I'll start from the start. So I um, studied science at university. So I did a bachelor of biomedicine, focusing on pharmacology, anatomy, and chemistry. That was obviously my interests. Um, And then just happened to be looking at seek. I think it was about the week after I graduated, and then there was a role at Victoria Police Forensic. So they literally just pop up on Seek. And yeah, so I just jumped at that opportunity. Obviously it was successful and 
I would like to say that I've been there ever since, but I did leave for a little while and worked somewhere else. But um, yeah, in so a, I just in a meth lab. Uh, no, because <laughs> that, that presumably in, in, a, in a legal laboratory, of course. But what happened if you're a, mm-hmm. a smart young man doing science and studying all of those things? What what are your career path options, and why does Victoria Police cut it for you? Your career options are extremely varied. So you know, you could look at academia. So you could continue studying and working. A lot of colleagues at university did further their careers through education. Teaching um, is a huge pathway as well. Uh, There's other laboratories, so I've worked at three so far, so there is quite a lot of opportunities out there, even for lab-based work. I find it amazing that you found this job on SEEK just by chance, because I can imagine there are a lot of people, and I speak to a lot of people who want to join the police specifically to work in this area. Yeah, it was. everyone sort of seems shocked when I tell them that I just found it online on a, on a careers, commercial you, careers You website. weren't even looking for I a wasn't career even, in the police? No, I, I knew that I didn't want to do any further study. So after four years of university, I, I was pretty keen to earn some money and upgrade a few things that need upgrading. It's so funny you're telling me this story because this is almost identical to how I joined Victoria Police. I was working in academia and I was looking online for something else completely separate and it popped up on Seek Ooh. for this policy project officer job. And I looked at it and I thought... Yeah, I reckon I'll, I reckon I'll oh, apply. So it's almost exactly that, the same. I was about to yeah. say, I sort still, of still went through the same um, contemplation. I was like, do I, don't I? Oh, look, I'll give it a crack. Why not? Yeah. Um, I, don't think, I don't think there's something more behind it. I think Victoria Police is tapping people on the shoulder. They, <laughs> they know. Yeah. There goes. She's the, oh, there goes our cover. <laughs> and did you have any hesitation on joining Victoria Police as an organisation, as a gay man? Look, I... Look, that was probably about five years ago. Um, So, look, I wasn't as confident, I guess, with my sexuality publicly. It was still something that I was, I guess, working through myself, but it didn't really cross my mind at that point. I'd obviously had worked in other organisations and I'd um, made conscious choices not to be out in those. But I can say pretty much within the first, I think it was the second day, um, I'd already casually mentioned my partner who is male and that just didn't seem to be an issue for where I worked. So it definitely didn't come into consideration when applying for the role. It was more so if I wanted to do that particular role itself. Like, yeah, it, was, it wasn't really something that do I Do you think, of. James, that's different for unsworn officers working in a lab than it is, for example, where Dinesh works and he's an ally in, in the police force. But, Dennis, do you think that it's difficult for your gay compatriots yeah, on the force? And, and I suppose because, you know, you're dealing with frontline, you know, whereby we're going out and dealing with the community on, on different levels. So I suppose it might be a, a little bit different, whereas James's work is probably more office-bound, so you're just dealing with the same people uh, internally. So you're saying that there might be more flack from the general public, but is Victoria Police an equal opportunity employer? Gabby's smiling her face off. <laughs> just answer this one correctly, Dinesh. Yes. No, I mean, yes. it, things have changed a lot. When when James joined five years ago, the organisation is hugely different. We've gone leaps and bounds ahead in addressing um, how we, we work with LGBTI employees and making sure it's a safe environment. I've been in just over 20 years, and I think we've we've come a long way since when I joined. Mm. Um, even the five years mm-hmm. since I've joined, I mean, even though the majority of our colleagues at forensics are unsworn, we do have a sworn component. So a lot of our field forensics, so crime scene, ballistics, they're actually all sworn. 
So we do have that connection with the sworn well, officers. And do you know even what the percentage the of, of Victoria Police is unsworn officers? It's around, I think it's around five or 6,000, yeah. I think. Would That's be unsworn. Not so, totally approximating there, but around yeah. five oh, or 6,000. Okay. So out of 18,000 ish. Yeah. yeah, so it's a yeah. small percentage. And they're presumably people in an expert field. Mostly at a regional level, they're usually um, at around a VPS two or three. Um, so that's they Victorian public of, service levels. Yeah, yep. that's right. So they perform a lot of the administrative tasks that go on out at the stations, and then you come into a more of a corporate area like mine in the city, and we work with um, quite closely with the commissioners and various areas. Um, so it could be anywhere from VPS four up to VPS six. I'm a VPS six. And each VPS grade has an equivalent to rank, which we don't really use, but I mean, I guess there's a loose interpretation. So my VPS 6 role would be equivalent somewhere between an inspector and a superintendent. Not that we think about that at all, but it, it, it does change the way that police view VPS. Yeah, so okay. it's very much a rank, you know, we've got a very hierarchical organisation. So depending on how high you are in the VPS depends on, on perhaps on well, where you might sit in the organisation. Exactly. And it's interesting because I'll ask this to James, you, as you progress through the organisation and assuming that you stay at Victoria Police, you could become quite a senior member of the non-sworn community. Correct. But there is no there's no title that gives you that. You can't run around going, I'm VPS six, James. Oh, no, no, I think <laughs> some people may. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it's it's the same as I guess, you know, private industry where your tenure there and your position is reflected, but not in such a visible way as senior constable or superintendent. It's, it's not a title that you walk around with, but there definitely is, you know, um, so we have FO level as a forensic officer. So even though it, it's very similar to VPS, but it is actually a separate mm-hmm. category. And we and we progress up that level as well. And your, I guess your title is sort of reflected in, in your grade. So, mm. you know, we... There, there is a bit of progression ability within our department. So you can start entry level, graduate level, which is very lab based and very technical. And then you can work up to sort of a supervisor or a branch manager role. And then there even goes beyond that into sort of director levels as well. So that's sort of reflected there. It's not something that is overt as a label before your name, but... um. Yeah, no, there definitely is that that progression. So. They're usually the same kinds of titles that mm. you'd have out mm. in private industry, yeah. or you know, mm. private organisations. So, like project manager or project coordinator, whatever it may be. So, it's similar titles that are used in private industry. That yeah, sometimes we you, we do get referred to by our grade, which yeah. I find really mm. yeah. Yeah. interesting, really yeah. really confronting. It's sort of like you know, talking you get introduced as your salary, which is right. kind of weird. Yeah, that's weird. But yeah. um, but no, like generally speaking, so my role obviously is a portfolio manager. So I would I would use that as my title yeah. rather than saying I'm. VPS six or mm. I've right. got a question for James. Go on, I want to know the answer to this. Sure. When you um, are getting, when you're doing your scientific work mm-hmm. in the lab, uh, are you given a background to what's happened as to how that evidence has come to you, or are you basically just looking at something scientifically? Look, to answer that question, really basically, um, we don't have any background, um, so a lot of our work is done without that context of the case. It wouldn't change the way we do things. Um, generally, our methods are all quite strict um, and you would sort of analyse it the same way no matter how it was found or how it was was packaged. When we're taking on the exhibits, we do get a little bit of background from the informants or the police members um, and that usually just controls you know, our DNA precautions, our fingerprint precautions, depending on whether we need to do those for those exhibits. And we find a little bit of background that the police members tend to be quite 
talkative. Um, they love, you know, telling their stories. And a lot of the times they go off on little tangents and it's it's just interesting to hear as you're doing your work. But when we actually come to the analysis, that, that context doesn't really come into it. And it's usually done by someone separate. So the person that takes those exhibits on from the front end doesn't actually usually analyze them themselves. They'll actually get that analysis done by someone else. When it comes to sort of like a clandestine laboratory, so one of the illegal laboratories, that's when the context actually can come into it because that can also determine uh, a process that, you know, the the offender is, is possibly doing is actually, you know, could be leading to a toxic component or it could be, you know, the mixture that we're looking at could be quite flammable or explosive. So that's where the context comes from a safety perspective. But generally, it's not something that we need to sort of analyse the samples. Roughly, how long do your investigations take? Because I, I was talking to somebody a while ago and they were saying that CSI kind of ruined forensics for everybody because there's this <laughs> it needs to be false solved expectation. In one hour. Yeah. You know, you can do it, you know, within a day or within an hour. Is, are they quite lengthy investigations? Look, to I think uh, the general uh, drug analysis case work uh, I think from memory is about a four-month turnaround time. Now, that depends on the complexity of the case. So if it's one exhibit and it's quite a simple analysis, that could that turnaround could be quite less. But um, yeah, CSI definitely did give quite a bit of a false impression on how quickly and, and how much we can mm. do and all, frankly, within, all within 60 minutes. And how sexy it is. Look, oh, hey, <laughs> it, it is still pretty sexy, I think, you know. <laughs> Do you burn the booties after you've worn them on site? We don't wear, oh, I don't wear booties. So that would be more of the biology mm-hmm. um, department. Um, but they're all one use sort of thing. So yeah. they, they definitely would be destroyed. But um, yeah, no. Does it bother you, James, that um, in film, cases are often won and lost on the idiot in the lab who's done something wrong? Does it bother you that, you're, that you're, the forensic officer is often the one that's made the like they're big players because if you make a mistake in a lab presumably it can change the course of justice yep and i guess that's why our work is so uh structured so we have a training unit and a standard operating procedure for almost everything um there's even jokes that we have training procedures for going to the bathroom but we don't (laughs) i swear no so i guess that's sort of where it comes in you've really got to have that transparency in the work that's being carried out adhering to the standing operating procedures and there's a lot of training that goes into it it can take, you know, up to you know two years to become a qualified drug analyst caseworker. Um, so that just sort of shows you how intense that training is to ensure that that really doesn't happen. Um, and I guess that comes back to the turnaround times there, Jen, as well, in terms of that four months is really there's a lot of tech reviewing and admin reviewing to make sure that work that we're sending out is accurate so it doesn't get to that that mm. court room, and then we realise that there's an issue, so... We well, need um, to watch the staircase. Well, I was just yeah. going to say, what happened in the staircase? Oh. It won't happen here. Oh. Yes, Diva. say, do not ruin the ending for oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm only halfway through. Spoiler alert. <laughs> um, yeah. This is a serious question about your workplace okay. and mm-hmm. Victoria Police, and I asked everybody on the show, the shared fridge, the office fridge, <laughs> where you keep your lunches, yes. immaculate, I'd imagine, in, your, in the lab? It, it actually is quite clean, and I must admit that's not because of anything that I'm doing. There is one person that's very particular with the fridges. Mm-hmm. Um, passive-aggressive notes, does that ever happen? I don't know if I'd call them passive-aggressive, just very encouraging notes. Right. Um, 
is all. But um, I must admit, I do benefit from the fact that the fridges are quite nice there. Right. I mean, that's where we, st- we store our food. We obviously don't store our food with in with the lab. Samples. Um, so, yeah. So, if, but- if, if there is fungus, it will be analysed <laughs> by six right. different people. Well, that's right. <laughs> we'll find out where it comes from. Because the receptionist at the place that I work at always, always, always pulling something out of the fridge and saying, we're going to send that to the lab. So I just wondered if maybe... Oh, look, we, we could get fingerprints done on it, I think, if we really had to. Well, that's but- the thing. If you know somebody's <laughs> taken the yogurt, you can actually find out who it was. Yeah, look, I think there's some people that probably would have considered it. There has been a few lunches going missing, but um, yeah, generally it's pretty good. You need a sworn officer to sort yeah. that out. <laughs> and do you deal with DNA as well, or is that a different department? No, so our, our facility has quite a few forensic disciplines at that location. So we do have biology and DNA, blood splatter analysis, crime scene investigation, uh, serious crisis invest- investigation. Um, we have fire and explosives. So we do have a DNA and biology component and that's physically separate from my chemistry branch. So that's in a different building. But we do have that interaction for some exhibits where they need uh, DNA analysis done on a, an exhibit that we need to do drug analysis on. Uh, we do have that interaction. They do actually come down. They do the swabs then and there for those particular items. So there is a bit of crossover for those items that require it. Yeah. Um, other than that, it, it is a little bit separate, yeah. yeah. If somebody's listening to this young nerd guy or girl thinking about getting into science, mm-hmm. is is the career path into Victoria Place, is there enough in there for you in, in terms of your science dream and career? I think so. Um, I wouldn't have stayed this long if it wasn't. I did leave. Um, I'm a little bit aggressive in my career aspirations. So there wasn't a plan to progress a couple of years ago and that frustrated me a little bit. Um, but that look, that's government. We, we have to have a position that's funded, unlike some other areas where forensic officers can continuously grow within their role to a particular level. Like I think police, there's a certain level that you can get up mm. to just all, like through tenure. Yeah. Um, whereas the way that structure in Victoria Police, unless you're, I think, a fingerprinter, everyone else has to apply for a funded position. Okay. So that's actually a lot getting a lot better now. There's a lot of opportunity in Victoria Police. There's, there's quite a bit of funding that I've seen, especially in the DNA side of things. I think that legislation just changed recently and there's been a lot of recruitment activity. But in terms of access to project work, I mean, I'm a member on the VP Pride Council. I do a lot of work at a facility with LGBTI training and sort of setting up a local committee there. I get to do a lot of training. So in terms of the other professional development that I can do, um, I definitely didn't get that from the private industry that I worked in. Mm-hmm. And then the the context and I guess the feeling of helping the community or, you know, I guess that, that feeling of working with Victoria Police, you know, to either determine whether something is illicit or isn't illicit. I mean, it doesn't really matter for me which way it is, but that that's all helping, I guess, mm. that law enforcement process. So I think there's there's a bit of professional development. There's a bit of feeling like you're you're helping out the community, um, and you've got that scientific basis. So there's not many roles that give you that mm. breadth of development. So I, I would definitely say that the science interest and workload is definitely there, and then it's actually the other stuff around it that definitely keeps me at Victoria Police. Can you get to the top job? I'm not sure what the top job is in forensics in Victoria Police. Can you get without being a sworn officer? Or is there any pressure to become a sworn officer? No. Uh, so our current um, executive director is unsworn. Mm. So he is 
uh, of EPS. I'm not sure exactly what level he is, but yeah, it, it's actually not a sworn position. Mm. So, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if um, I believe if a sworn member did go for that position, it would actually still be an unsworn position. I don't think right. it would ever be a, it's not a f- sworn funded position. So mm, That's um, how it works, I think, isn't it? Yeah, I think, yep. So it would actually, it's always a, an unsworn position, whether you come from a VPS mm. or a sworn, if you were to go for that role, you actually become unsworn that way. So, yep. yep. Dinesh, do you get to interact with the forensics at all? Uh, no, like in my younger days, um, yeah. you know, like basically we'd send stuff off to forensics, you know, at, at the crime scene uh, and that, that was the only interaction that we've Bag had. it. Yeah. Maybe we should but come and do a tour. Tag it and bag it. Oh, I would love to walk you around and yeah. show you where I The I'm fridge. Then we yeah, can come back and talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> with no fungus. Yeah, hopefully. I'll have to make sure We like clean. getting tours. <laughs> Yes, well, and how, how does so if somebody wants to get involved in Victoria Police and become a forensics officer? Gabby? Go on to seek. Go on to sit, sit, by, <laughs> sit by your computer and wait for the offer to come in. Is I that think the way so. I mean, Absolutely. all the unsworn jobs are promoted through Victoria Police, but also through all the other organisations that promote employment. But if you if you want to become a Victoria Police officer, you can still muck around the forensics side of things, can't you? Yeah, so there's I guess there's two pathways to think about. You can either think of it from the sworn pathway um, and the unsworn. They, they are quite different. Briefly, I guess, with the sworn side, you, you don't necessarily need to have a scientific background. You just need to do the academy. You need to go through, I think, the minimum probationary period until you can actually apply for a position. So a position, again, a position needs to be there. Um, And then there's quite a lot of training that happens. So you can do crime scene training, serious crisis investigation unit, ballistics, fingerprints. They don't necessarily require any scientific background. But again, the area is so competitive. There's a lot of people that are getting degrees before applying for Victoria Police. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you need to be mindful, I guess, of that pathway. You know, it can be quite competitive. And then, again, from the unsworn side of things, um, like Gabby said, it is just advertised like a normal position. But just be careful about the tertiary education or the qualifications that you might need. So fingerprint unit i don't believe requires a degree um, but again because it's so competitive there's mm. a lot of people with degrees and you get a lot of transferable skills from doing a degree so it's just sort of you know sometimes it can just be the timing but something like chemistry or biology there are requirements to have a tertiary education and, and a certain bachelor so there are forensic degrees out there and i mean i, I didn't do one specifically so I, I can't really comment but I would just be careful about how much scientific training or education you do in that particular unit because you you can get a bit too broad. And I guess that's where the CSI mm. aspect comes from. Uh, Abby from NCIS running around doing, you know, all these different things. They're all done by separate people. And to be that generalist, it, it's hard to get into a specialised unit. So if you did a lot of biology, you might not be able to progress as far in the chemistry side of things because the, the courts will require a particular level of, of education and that will be reflected in your degree. So you sort of, there is internal training, um, but just be really mindful about, you know, following, I guess, where your interests are. Like if you like chemistry, make sure you do enough chemistry that you can apply for a chemistry role in Victoria Police mm. as a forensic officer if, that, if that's what you want to do. So there's a lot of different parts there's no specific degree that's going to mm. going to help yeah. you in that area. And it's I, just making sure you've got enough background. If you've got a question and you want to know what kind of education you need for a particular role, just contact our recruitment um, mm. unit, and just you can go online and you can ask questions. Just type them in or give them a call and just say, oh, "I'm interested in joining in this type of role. What kind of education do I need?" What's mm. the best website for Vic- is it victoriapolice.vic.gov.au? Policecareers. Yeah, policecareers.gov.au. Yeah, you can Google it. Yeah. you don't have to. We you can't can Google. <laughs> 
But I was also going to mention, like, we have crime scene officers, you know, at stations as well, and they basically go out and take the fingerprints for analysis or they come out and take photographs of crime scenes mm. and things like that when they're, when they're, and they're needed. Sworn so, officers. And they're sworn oh. officers, yeah, but they do a sort of a specialised role, but they're not trained scientists, mm. you know, um, uh, mm. at all, but they do the crime scene course. And that's where that crossover, I think, comes from as well, because I think they're the crime desk personnel and they collect the data, yeah. but then there's that interpretation side of things which will get done, you know, back at our lab by trained scientists in that mm. field. Mm. So there, there are heaps of different pathways where you can be involved in a forensic field from either a sworn or unsworn aspect. I was chatting to a photographer at my cousin's wedding, having a lovely chat with her over a beer, and he had all the gear, all the fancy gear, and I was admiring all his gear because I like to take some photographs myself. And I said, so do a lot of weddings? He goes, no, I'm a forensic photographer for Victoria Police. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I said, so how's you trying to break into this? He goes, don't think I like it. They move a lot. <laughs> it's a true story. And I was like, wow. So there you go. Bit of side money. Yeah. James Sloco, thanks so much for joining us on the Glow Show podcast. James is a forensic officer with Victoria Police. Thanks also to Jen Dixon. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> Dinesh Nutter. Gabrielle Tayak from Victoria Police. Leading Senior Constable Gabrielle Tayak, who is the Boss Lady Glow of all of Victoria. I've been Dee Mason from the Glow Show podcast. Join us again next time on the Glow Show. You've been listening to the Vic Police Glow Show, exclusive to Joy Podcast, presented by Vic Police LGBTI liaison officers and a range of Joy presenters. Head to joy.org.au forward slash the Glow Show to find more episodes or search Joy 94.9 Glow Show on iTunes. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Rate and review if you like what you hear. Thanks for listening to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.